welcome to another episode of the Mitchell Street Fantasy Podcast. After five weeks of terror, Stitches finally handed Derek his first loss of the year. I know we've all been waiting for it, but now Stitches is the only undefeated team left, and to be quite honest, he is yet to have a bad week. So it's going to take a big game from any of us to be the one to take him down. Stitches, we're all coming for your head next. Now, Joe lost to Dan this week in an unexpectedly high-scoring match between two 1-4 teams. Brandon took care of business against Eric after he shamefully lost to Derek last week in a game he should have won. Chris brings his winning streak up to three by taking down Jane, who remains winless. Um, Nate continues to defy the odds with another win, this time against me, but that keeps him up near the top of the standings. Butters holds off Cody and gets another win with another big week in points. And as we heard at the top of the episode, in the Battle of the Undefeateds, Stitches comes out on top over Derek. Alright, so Stitches has finally taken the top spot for himself, and Ginge continues to hunker down on his position at the bottom. But that's the same old, same old, so let's get into something a little more interesting, like taking a look at the ESPN projected final standings. Now, if I'm being completely honest, I have absolutely no idea what this really means, how they're coming up with their projections, but I have taken the liberty of pretending that I do, and now I'm going to dissect it. Alright, if you take a look at it today, James is only one of two teams whose projection hasn't changed. So ESPN thought he had the worst draft day, it remains the clear favorite to be punished at the end of the year. Speaking of which, just throwing this out there, should we have an extra punishment if Jane doesn't get a single win this year? I'm voting yes already. Let's think about that one. Stitches and Nate are the two teams that have made the biggest leaps since draft day. They were projected bottom five, but currently they're both projected to finish in the top three. Um, and now there were a few of us that ESPN thought nailed the draft, but aren't doing so hot now. Uh, Joe, Dan, and I were all projected top five on draft day, but um, we have all slid down into the bottom six for final projections. Now, lastly, I love that ESPN continues to somehow be team anti-Chris, because even after three straight wins, he's still projected to finish below his draft day projections at ninth. Even though he currently sits at sixth, and if he keeps winning, he's going to keep moving up. But apparently ESPN doesn't think so. Real! Gotcha. Scared you. And speaking of Chris, he was on the receiving end of the league's first ever curse. Uh, but it... Seems like I may have given him a blessing instead on accident because he dropped his second highest point total of the year and absolutely destroyed Jinch last week. But on to this week's curse. Um, a little preface before I say who's cursed. Um, Joe has been quietly averaging 120 plus points over the last four weeks and that even factors one week where he's only scored 79 points but in those four weeks he only has one win to show for all those points um he just seems to run into one of the other better teams every week so this week that's all going to change he takes on cody who's just two and four but he's seeing some success recently thanks to a really really 
poor trade on my part. Um, but fear not. Here to make amends for at least some of the damage. I'm cursing Cody and the members of the Roxborough Rough Riders this week, dooming them to lose. And now hopefully Joe can pick up his second win and actually have something to show for all the work he's been putting up. The curse has been cast. Real. Now this week our top performing team is a bit of a surprise. Dan is making his first appearance on the list with 151.7 points this week. Um, it's by far the highest point total of the season for him. And an interesting thing that I actually saw this week, Dan has steadily been improving every single week. He has not scored less than his previous week's total ever. So every week he's beating his season high. So obviously they can't be sustainable, but something to keep an eye on. Maybe his, you know, his luck is changing in the second half of the year. Uh, sad side note for Joe, um, this huge 151 point performance came against him even though he had a huge performance and he put up back to back 100 point games for the first time this year. And now the worst team this week, Eric saved me from having to be on this list by scoring 79.8 points this week. I was a little nervous just for a second. I, I thought TJ Hawkinson might fuck me over and have a big game against the Packers, but he didn't, and so now I was only the second worst performing team. Surprisingly, Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't the problem player this week. It was basically just everyone else. Six out of nine players scored less than 10 points, and he didn't have a single person scoring over 20. And now what's seeming like a trend now is the Patriots defense making another appearance as the most overperforming player of the week. They scored 17.7 more points than they were projected, finishing with 28 points total. The craziest part about this whole season with the Pats D is that they're somehow the top performing player on Brandon's roster. They average 20.3 points a game, and to put that into perspective, that's better than guys like Alvin Kamara, David Johnson, even Ezekiel Elliott is below them on average points. So that's, that's, I'd say that's unheard of in fantasy football for a defense to be doing that. And now for the most underperforming player, Jared Goff has blessed us and this podcast with an appearance. This Oh my god, it's just a nasty performance on Sunday. He finished with 1.1 points, playing four full quarters of football. Now that's 15 and a half points less than he was projected. And he, did, he, th he didn't throw any interceptions. He just had one fumble, 1.1 points. That's pathetic. What's even more pathetic is that I lost against that. And the reason I lost to that is because I left the most points on my bench this week. It was a combo of Will Disley's Achilles exploding and then Hunter Henry coming back and being able to play football again suddenly. We also had Jamal Williams who came back from being decapitated a couple weeks ago and had a great game himself. And so just those two guys, I left 52 and a half points on my bench, which would have been plenty to beat Nate this week. The bigger story here is that I'm actually apparently cursed myself because any tight end I pick up is almost definitely going to get hurt. So far I lost Hunter Henry to a fractured tibia week 1 who I replaced with TJ Hawkinson and in week 4 he proceeded to be decapitated and then I picked up Will Disley right after that and he no longer has an Achilles tendon. So fingers crossed that Hunter Henry part 2 doesn't put him back on the IR for good. 
Now looking ahead to some of next week's matchups, Stitches continues his undefeated campaign against Nate, who has continued to surge every week, even though by his own admission he really has no right to be so high up in the standings. Who knows, maybe he'll finally hand Stitches his first loss, I wouldn't hold my breath. And now Butters and his powerhouse of a team, who have yet to score less than 120 points in any week, are primed to hand Derek his second straight loss this week, which would bump him down significantly in the standings with a bunch of other teams with only two losses. Coming up on week seven, we're about halfway through the regular season. I can confirm that fantasy football is the worst thing that happens to me every fall and is closing in on becoming maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to me ever. So fuck all of you, fuck football in general, and fuck you, Cody in particular. I fucked myself so hard in that trade and I 100% blame you. Alright, peace.